seated and good morning. I'm going to depart from preaching on one of today's scripture passages because another election is upon us. Here we go again. So this morning I'm going to reprise some of the things that I said two years ago prior to the last election with some notable differences since this is not a presidential election. So as I said in 2020, it is not my place to tell you how you must vote. We do, after all, still live in a free country with free elections, at least for the time being. But it is my place as your priest and pastor to help you see how your vote may or may not line up with the teachings of the church. So I will tell you emphatically that what I'm about to say should not be taken as an implicit endorsement of any candidate by Christ the King Church or by the personal ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter. I'm taking this opportunity to speak to you personally, of sharing with you my opinion, an opinion that is both formed and informed by the Word of God and by the crystal clear teachings of the Church for the purpose of helping you think through the choices. Because again, there are certain realities about the candidates and their parties at the local, state, and federal levels that directly impact our Catholic faith. And so we must be aware of these realities before we cast our vote. And my first allegiance is not to any political candidate or party but to the truth of God and to his church. And so what I'm about to say is not at all politically motivated because the stakes involved far transcend politics. But of course, for better or worse, they are played out in the political realm. Brothers and sisters, we live in a nation that is sadly, tragically divided a nation at odds with itself. I don't have to tell you that, you know that. Jesus' words in the gospel were never more true. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I grieve, I grieve for what has become of America. But you and I are first and foremost citizens of heaven. And we are children of the same heavenly Father we are servants of the same Lord and Master. We are first Catholics, second Americans, and then somewhere down the line from there, Republicans or Democrats or Independents or whatever. Never forget that. Never forget that. And so it has almost become a cliche to declare that we have reached a tipping point in our nation, but it is also true. And it is time for faithful Christians throughout our nation to stand up courageously and to forthrightly confront the evil that has overtaken our culture and say, enough is enough. Because whether you are aware of it or not, there are powerful, force, powerful forces in government at every level as well as in the mainstream media and in the Silicon Valley technocracy 
that are working aggressively to silence the church through legislation, lies, intimidation, and censorship. So as I said in 2020, for us faithful Catholics, the starting point of our choice of whom to vote for needs to be that we intentionally think with the church. Think with the church. Something that far too many Catholics have failed to do for far too long, a fact that has largely contributed to the dire condition of our culture today. The church has clearly and consistently based her teaching on the sacred scriptures and on the living tradition embodied in 2,000 years of her magisterium. That teaching has led to an array of foundational principles when it comes to us as Catholics and to our moral and civic responsibilities. It's not always easy to sift through the myriad of issues at play in elections. So it becomes crucial then that we properly prioritize those issues because some are most definitely more important than others. We can respectfully disagree. We can have differences of prudential judgment and opinion around issues like the economy, inflation, immigration, national defense, health care, climate change, and so on. But don't ever allow yourself to be sidetracked by the spurious, seamless garment theory espoused by many in the church that asserts that issues like immigration and the environment are of equal weight with abortion. Because there is a set of issues upon which Catholics must not disagree. I outlined what those issues are two years ago. Pope Benedict XVI specified those issues in his 2012 apostolic constitution entitled Sacramentum Caritatis, in which he defined what he called our non-negotiable values. Our non-negotiable values. A concept which he repeated countless times during his pontificate. Among the list of non-negotiable values which he identified, chief among them are the sanctity of life from conception to natural death, the sanctity of marriage as a lifelong sacramental union of a man and a woman, and the preservation of religious liberty. They are non-negotiable because they are of paramount importance in Catholic moral theology. They are the moral principles where the church draws a clear line in the sand. In all of the fog, in all of the confusion and, and spin that surrounds every election season, we must, as faithful Catholics, conscientiously vote in such a way that best upholds and protects these non-negotiable values. Again, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and by extension, the sanctity of the family and religious liberty. Not that other issues are unimportant, because these three are found, but, be, but these three are foundation, foundational to who we are as human beings and to what kind of a society it is that we are constructing. 
As Pope Benedict wrote regarding these values, quote, in the face of fundamental and inalienable ethical demands, Christians must recognize that what is at stake is the essence of the moral law, which concerns the integral good of the human person, end quote. <clears throat> in its document entitled Living the Gospel of Life, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has declared abortion to be the preeminent moral issue of our time. The right to life undergirds all other rights and represents government's most important responsibility. So don't ever let anyone, be he a priest, a bishop, or a cardinal, tell you otherwise. Abortion is, I believe, spiritually speaking, both the primary cause and the primary symptom of a society in a downward death spiral. As I said, it's time for faithful Catholics to stand up and to say enough is enough and to say so especially to all office holders and politicians who claim to be devout Catholics while publicly and obstinately contradicting the church and subverting her teachings. One of the ways we do that is in the way we vote. Now, as you know, voting is both a positive and a negative transaction. By that, I mean when you vote for a particular candidate, you are also voting against his or her opponent. So my encouragement to you is this. If you want to think with the church, and I hope you do, if you want to think with the church, never vote for any candidate or for the party that supports abortion. There is no shortage of such people in a party that, in the aftermath of the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision, has in effect declared war on the unborn, as well as on those of us who stand in defense of the unborn and in support of their mothers. Abortion for any reason, for no reason, at any point in the pregnancy, right up to and beyond the moment of birth. And to help ensure that they bring the full force of federal law and of heavy-handed law enforcement agencies down on the heads of peaceful pro-life demonstrators while turning a blind eye toward those who firebomb crisis pregnancy centers and vandalize churches. If you want to think with the church, never vote for any candidate or for the party that supports anti-marriage, anti-family ideologies like same-sex marriage or transgenderism, or that advocates in the name of transgenderism for the dispensing of puberty-blocking drugs or genital mutilation of children, or applauds drag queen shows in schools and libraries. If you want to think with the church, never vote for any candidate or for the party that is okay with the indoctrination of your children and grandchildren in public schools 
with the notion that by reason of their skin color alone, they are either an oppressor or the oppressed. Or the notion that a boy can become a girl, that a girl can become a boy, and that men can actually give birth. I can hardly believe that we even need to talk about these things. But we do. Because they're all being played out in real time in our society. If you want to think with the church, never vote for any candidate or for the party that violates our religious liberty by denying religious exemptions to their vaccine mandates and by locking down our churches and by declaring churches to be non-essential organizations. If you want to think with the church, never vote for any candidate or for the party that gives evidence of any form of wokeism. Wokeism is nonsense. It is absurdity. It is a soul-numbing lie in the way that it blatantly and unashamedly perverts manifest reality. I'm sure that it is demonically inspired because of the way that it utterly denies what is objectively true. Sacred Scripture calls Satan the father of lies. He and those who are inspired by him will look you right in the eye, spit in your face, and tell you, oh look, it's raining. And then they'll try to force you to agree with that assertion. Resist them, humbly and lovingly, but resist them. Stand for the truth in what you say, in how you live your life, in how you raise your children, and in how you vote. Brothers and sisters, we are as a nation, as I stated two years ago, staring into the abyss, stemming from our culture's wholesale rejection of God and his law, a rejection manifested most tangibly in five decades of legalized abortion and other egregious moral aberrations. Psalm 33 declares, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It is ultimately our responsibility, yours and mine, as faithful Christians, to uphold and work toward the lofty ideal of one nation under God. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once wrote these words almost 60, word, 60 years ago. Quote, A nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. If a time ever comes when the religious Jews, Protestants, and Catholics ever have to suffer under a totalitarian state which would deny to them the right to worship God according to the light of their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them, and because they abandoned the spiritual in the realm of the temporal." End quote. 
And so the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is vote. And when you do, think with the church while also understanding this, that no one running for public office is ultimately the solution for what ails America. Only God is. That's not a statement of resignation to the inevitable. It is actually a statement of hope. The late Father Richard John Newhouse once wrote this, Christians have not the right to despair, for despair is a sin. And we have not reason to despair, quite simply, because Christ is risen. In conclusion, you and I are called to be salt and light in a dark and dying world. And you and I, as faithful American Catholics, are engaged in a battle for the soul of our beloved nation. Let's take that call seriously. I'd like to conclude this homily with a quote that I concluded my homily two years ago with from the Old Testament, that you're, and you're probably familiar with this quote. It's one of my very favorite scripture quotes and one which is most pertinent and most compelling in this hour in which we find ourselves. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, Almighty God declares this, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God bless you. May God continue to bless America. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.